Well, this morning, I want to challenge everybody here. I just want to encourage you that during this service today, before this service is over, you will give something to God. No, I'm not talking about money, so relax. We're not going to be talking about that. John 3.16 tells us, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The greatest gift ever given, the gift of God's Son. He came to pay the price for our sins on the cross. What an amazing gift. 2 Corinthians 9.15 says, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. That word there, indescribable. The Greek word that was used there literally means unutterable. In other words, there are no words to describe this gift. Thanks be to God. We should always, always, forever be grateful for this amazing gift that God gave. The first thing I want to encourage you to give to God this morning is something that, well, many of us have already been giving to God this morning, thanksgiving and praise. We should always give God thanksgiving and praise and worship because He deserves it. He is worthy every day, all day. He is worthy of it. Whether we're going through hard times or good times, He is worthy of our thanksgiving and praise. You know, I think a lot of people, they end up spending more time complaining than they do giving thanks or praising the Lord. I mean, when you consider all that the Lord has done for us, all that the Lord provides for us, the daily blessings in our lives, oh, we ought to be giving thanks all the time. That's right. Here's the thing. You see, it is those daily blessings in our life that are the easiest to take for granted. I mean, if, if you're healthy and you've been healthy for a while, it's easy to begin to just take that for granted. Um, but you go through a, a rough patch physically where you get sick for a while. I'll tell you, you appreciate healing and you appreciate God giving you health. And I, I just want you to realize, you see, the, the blessings that you're, in, you're experiencing every day, it, the tendency is this for us to take those for granted. Well, those are the things we ought to be the most thankful for, that we enjoy these blessings every day of our life. See, some of you, you're so blessed with family. You, you need to be thankful. You need to be praising the Lord. It's amazing how our old sinful nature can always find something to complain about and we can focus on that. When there's so much more to give thanks for. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. In everything. See, we're supposed to always be thankful. See, the attitude of the world, and I tell you, to be honest, the attitude of a lot of Christians sometimes is that we get this, uh, I deserve it attitude. I deserve more attitude. See, whenever somebody thinks that they deserve more, they're not thankful. And it'll make you miserable and make you an unhappy person if you live thinking, I deserve better. I deserve more. 
No, we need to always be thankful to God. You know, I find myself sometimes being unthankful and, you know, I, I, I don't look at it that way. I just think, you know, but here's what I know. I find myself complaining sometimes. I think I was complaining about some things early this morning. Anybody else? But there's always something to complain about. There's always things to give thanks for. And when I slow down and I stop and think about my life and how God has treated me, I I just find myself wanting to say the same words as Jacob in Genesis 32.10 when he says, I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I want to tell you, God has been way better to me than I deserve. And whatever trouble and hard spots I go through, it doesn't compare with the kindness and the mercy that He's shown to me. I don't deserve it. I'm unworthy of it. But He's shown me such kindness, such mercy. Now He doesn't owe me anything. I owe Him everything. So we always give God our thanks and our praise. It's supposed to be lifestyle. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Therefore by Him, by Jesus, let us continually, continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. This is how we live. We're just daily giving God thanks, giving God praise, always giving Him the praise He deserves. Now, I want us to read Isaiah's version of the Christmas story. Did you know that Isaiah talks about the Christmas story? Well, it's in Isaiah 7, 14. It says, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call His name Emmanuel. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Now get this. But they're going to call him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. This isn't just any child. This is God come to earth in a human body. And he foretold this 700 years before the birth of Christ. Absolutely amazing. Then in Isaiah 9, 6, he says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isn't it amazing? This child who is born would be called the Mighty God. He would be called the Everlasting Father. Yes, it's true what Jesus said, I and the Father are one. He is mighty God and everlasting Father. And Isaiah told all of this 700 years before. Wow. You know, I'm sure that when Isaiah gave this prophecy, it must have sounded like just the bizarre ramblings of some weird dude talking about a virgin giving birth, and this child being the mighty God, the everlasting Father. But it was all fulfilled exactly as He said. 
I don't know how people cannot believe in the virgin birth and how they cannot believe in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, when this was foretold 700 years before. How can they doubt that Jesus is truly God? But it's amazing. There are even some who call themselves Christians and don't believe in the virgin birth and don't believe that Jesus was actually God. They have some weird form of religion, but they don't even know Him. So important that we believe in the virgin birth, that He was not just a man, but He was the Son of God conceived by the Holy Spirit. If you can't believe in the virgin birth, then there's no way that you can believe in a sinless life. And if there's not a sinless life, then there's not a, a redemption for us. There's, we're left lost and hopeless without the sinless life of Jesus and His death on the cross to pay for our sins. Isaiah also foretold the gospel, the good news of Jesus. It's in Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5 as part of it. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. He took our sorrows. He took our sins. He took our shame. He took our stress. He took our sickness. Isaiah gives us more of this gospel in chapter 61 and verse 1. In fact, when Jesus began His ministry, the gospel of Luke records this in Luke 4.18, that Jesus stood up and He read from Isaiah, and this is what He read. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings. That's good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the open of the prison to those who were bound. It's amazing. Isaiah foretold these things. Exactly what Jesus would say. He foretold it. And Jesus stood up and read it as He began His ministry. But in Isaiah 53, we read that He bore our griefs and He carried our sorrows. And here in 61 in verse 1, He tells us that He came to heal the brokenhearted. See, we all go through times of sorrow. Sooner or later in this life, we all have our hearts broken in some way, a failed relationship, a dream lost, or the loss of a loved one. All of us go through those things. And we all know what it is to be hurt by somebody that we love or that, that we trust. And sometimes we have sorrow over our own mistakes and failures. Sometimes people, I think, especially men, they tend to act like we're invincible, like, you know, nothing can touch us. But the truth is, is that either we get hurt, we experience that, or we harden our heart to it. Don't harden your heart. Don't live in denial. And don't medicate it. What do you do with it? You give those hurts to the Lord. You go to God and you turn them over to Him because I want to tell you something, that He is the healer of broken hearts. 
He is the one who can mend you, restore you. See, this old world says, oh no, if you've been hurt bad enough, you're just damaged forever. They don't know the power of our God. This is part of our redemption and the good news of the gospel that He came to heal, to bind up the brokenhearted. And He absolutely can do that, but you've got to be willing to turn those hurts over to the Lord. One of the ways that we get hurt is when somebody wrongs us. We all have those times we're hurt by somebody betraying us or taking advantage of us, mistreating us, talking bad about us, whatever. But it happens to all of us. Romans 12, 19 tells us, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. That's God's wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. I told you already, the Lord can restore you and heal you. And whatever somebody else may have done to you, you need to give those wrongs to the Lord. He says, vengeance is mine. It already belongs to Him. But we need to, from the heart, release it and give it to Him. Now, in order for you to give it to God, you have to let go of it. As long as you're holding on to it, You're not really giving it to God. And here's the thing, for you to let go of it, you have to forgive. One reason that people have a real hard time with that is that they think that if they forgive, that that means that person just gets away with it. There is nobody that can avenge like the Lord. Nobody. And He says, vengeance is mine. I'll let it go. No, that's not what he said. He said, I will repay. You can trust God to make things right. He is just. And you can trust Him when you turn it over to Him. When you give it to the Lord, He'll make it right. But if you hang on to it yourself, I want to tell you, it will poison you. It will cause a root of bitterness to grow up in your life. And that root of bitterness, it it will produce bitter fruit in your life. It will infect every area of your life. So give it to God. Isaiah 53, 5 said, He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. He paid the price so we could be totally forgiven. I said totally, completely. I think sometimes people feel like, well, I'm mostly forgiven. You need to know that God forgives you completely. Every sin forgiven. Psalm 103, verse 10 through 12 says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. You can visit the North Pole and you can visit the South Pole. I don't know why anybody would want to, but you can. But you can't go to the East Pole or the West Pole because when you go east... You can just keep going and going and going. And when you go west, you can just keep going and going to infinity. And by the way, those of you that are directionally challenged, that's right, this is east and that's west. I thought I'd let you know. (laughs) But there's no end. He casts our sins so far away from us. You see, He totally forgives us. 
And here's the thing. He's not out to get you. He's out to forgive you. He wants to forgive you. Isaiah 43 and 25, he says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgression, transgressions for my own sake. And I will re not remember your sins. He blots them out. He wants to forgive. And he says, I will not remember your sins. How can that be? How can the omniscient God who knows everything not remember our sins? Listen, it doesn't mean that he has no recollection of it. I know that's what some people say. Well, that's silly. Let me show you. These poor guys, people like Moses and David and Paul and a whole slew of others, some of their sins are recorded right here in the Word of God. You think God doesn't know about it? He knows about it. It doesn't mean he has no recollection of it, but it means that he chooses not to look at it, to not remember that, to look at us through the blood of Jesus as justified and righteous. That's the way he sees us. You see, if it meant that he had no recollection of your sin, you know, that would mean he can't remember 90% of your life. That was a joke. I'm just, all right. But he no longer considers it he, or looks at it. He blots it out. So how do we give our past sins to the Lord? This isn't really complicated. It's simple and it's given to us over and over and over in the Scripture. You confess it to God. You just admit it to God. Just be honest with Him. That's how you give it to the Lord. One of those examples is 1 John 1, 8 and 9. It says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, and when He forgives, He takes care of the shame and the guilt. And yet I think for a lot of believers, we struggle with guilt and shame. The enemy of your soul, He will try to shackle you and burden you with guilt and shame. It can torment you. It can cause you to lose confidence. It can crush your faith because you just get to the place where you think that, well, God wouldn't do anything for me because of the shame and the guilt that you feel. It can steal your hopes and dreams. It can rob you of your sleep. It can even make you sick. And I just want you to know that He wants you to give that guilt and shame to Him. Jesus already took it. He already bore it. The Lord Jesus bore all of our sin and all of the shame and the guilt that went with it, and we need to trust Him to take care of it. David knew how heavy it could be. In Psalm 38 and 4, he said, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. You see, sometimes it can just be so heavy, and it might be because of some what you consider to be great sin. Or, it, you know, I think for a lot of believers, it's, it's the fact that we know right and wrong, and we get convicted. And, you know, when you get convicted, you know what you need to do? Confess it to God. Because when we don't, that conviction turns in to guilt, to shame. But you confess it to God and you let God take care of it and He has promised that He would cleanse us, forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to go to John chapter 8 
and read, well, it's just one of the most famous stories of the Bible, but I think it really speaks to this issue this morning. It speaks about the forgiveness of the, of the Savior, but it also deals with guilt and shame. In John chapter 8, we're going to begin in verse 2. He says, Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and when they had set her, went, set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in, the, in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? They said this, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. They're trying to find something that they can get on Jesus, something they can accuse Jesus of. And see, if Jesus says, yeah, go ahead and stone her, well, he would be in trouble with the Romans. Because remember, the Jews had to get the Romans to crucify Jesus. They were not allowed to do that. And if he said not to stone her, then he would be in trouble with the Jews and he, they would say that you are violating God's law. So what does Jesus do? He stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he didn't hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and he said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. We don't really know what Jesus was writing on the ground, but some suppose that he was maybe listing out their names and maybe even listing out their sins. You know, I think it's interesting that they left from the oldest to the youngest. I figure that's because the, the older you are, the longer your list Yep. But what we do know for sure is that what happened is that they were convicted. The Scripture says this very plainly. They were convicted in their conscience. Not one of them had the right to throw a stone at this woman. Not one. They were such hypocrites to bring this woman as a pawn in their game to try to get Jesus this woman was caught in the very act, they said. Where's the man? But Jesus saved her from the judgment, the condemnation, the shame, the guilt. Can you imagine what it must have been like for this woman to be brought to Jesus this way? Such shame, such guilt. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus gives her a fresh start. Jesus did not say, oh, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter how much you sin. I don't care. No. He told her to leave her life of sin. But He told her very plainly, 
neither do I condemn you. Jesus was the only one that had a right to judge her, and He didn't. You know, there's a lot of things we can learn from this story, but one of the ones that we, we ought to take to heart is that none of us has any business throwing stones at somebody. And we all know that old adage, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is such a lie, because we all know how much damage and hurt words can do. And none of us has any business throwing any stones at anybody else. I'm talking about words. But here's the point I really want to get at, is that He forgives. And He takes away the shame and the guilt so that we can start again fresh and new. But you got to be willing to give Him your guilt, your shame. Don't let it enslave you. See, Satan knows that you as a child of God, there's, there's limitless possibilities what God can do in your life. But if He can get you under that cloud of condemnation, He can hinder you and bind you up. The Bible says in Romans 8, 1, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He not only takes our punishment and the guilt and the shame for our past sins, but He also frees us from sin. We read earlier that He sets the captives free. I want you to know He wants you to be free from sin. He wants you to be free from destructive habits things that are unfruitful in your life. See, the first thing that we have to do, again, is that we have to admit to the Lord that we need help. Even the world knows this. When you have an addiction or a bondage in your life, you got to admit that you need help. I want you to know there's no better place to go than to God. And you give that thing to God. Now, that may just sound a little bit too simple, but let me tell you, with God, all things are possible. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And whatever that is. See, last week, pastor's wife talked about those electronic devices. It could be a thousand different things. But whatever it is, you need in faith to just give it to God. Just turn it over to Him. See, everybody, everybody in here this morning, there's something that you need to give to God today. He came to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Many are bound by stress, anxiety, worry, the pressures of life. We read the chastisement of our peace was upon Him. He wants us to have peace. Christmas, silent night, holy night, all is calm, sleep in heavenly peace. Where's the peace? Christmas can be the most stressful time of the year, right? I want to encourage you to give your stress to the Lord. Say, so, Lord, I'm turning, I'm turning loose. I'm turning this over to you. Give your worries to the Lord, your anxiety, the pressure that you feel. I want you to know God is big enough to handle whatever the situation is. Way better than you. I want to just tell you that this is what, this right here was what the Lord was dealing with me about that began this message. And in the beginning, I, you know, I don't think that everything God deals with me about is for you. I got, I got a lot of issues, you know. God deals with me. I don't, I don't tell you, I don't get up here and preach all my issues. 
But I actually believe that the Lord wanted all of us to hear this this morning. There are some things that we need to give to God. In Psalm 55 and 22, it says, Cast your burden on the Lord. See, you got to give it to Him. Cast your burden on the Lord and He shall sustain you. In the New Living Translation, it says, Give your burdens to the Lord and He'll take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Now, you see, we're not ignoring our problems. That's not peace. That's called denial. But we're giving them to Jesus. We're turning them over to Him. Psalm 46 and 10, Be still and know that I'm God. I want to tell you, there's not anything that God can't handle. And if we just get our minds on Him and just focus on Him, the Bible says in Isaiah 26 and 3, Thou will keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. If we just get our mind on God, you see, we can release those cares, those burdens, that pressure, the weight that we feel. It, none of it is hard for God. Psalm 4.8, I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. What is it that you're lying awake at night thinking about? Give it to God. Give it to God. Just keep giving it to God. Talking to the Lord about it. Turning it over to Him. I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Anybody tired? Anybody under a burden? Just the pressure of life, stress of work? He says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You see, it doesn't matter how hard your job might be, what you're dealing with in life, you can still have rest for your soul. Peace on the inside. That's the peace that Jesus gives. And then He says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's not telling people that we can just shirk our responsibilities. But He's telling us that we don't have to bear the weight, the heaviness of those things. He says, my yoke is easy. It's a good thing to be yoked up with Jesus in life. It's easy. Now, that doesn't mean that your job is easy. It means that it's, there's, the pressure is gone. The weight, the burden of that, He says... My burden is light. How could he say those things? He says, I always do what pleases the Father. You see, when we just do what God wants us to do, we can turn the rest over to God. Just leave it in His hands. Trust Him to take care of everything else. In fact, Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says, this is the whole duty of man, to fear God and keep His commands. Fear God and keep His commands. Just do what you're supposed to do. And you trust God with the rest of it. So some of us, we, we take way too much upon ourselves. I, I can tell you that many, many times I have to just 
get this right in my heart again and again, that we plant and we water. I'm talking about the ministry, and this is not just for vocational ministers. This is for all of us in ministry. We plant and we water, but it's God who gives the increase. You see, we don't bear that burden. Well, i got to get results. Listen, we shouldn't be worldly about things. We just obey God and do what we're supposed to do, and God gives the increase. That's the way that works, and God gets all the glory. Not any man, not anybody. It all belongs to God. But you see, we don't bear the weight. No. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. I really believe there's peace for those who are true followers of Jesus. Do you have something that you need to give to the Lord this morning? How do we do that? It's simple. You do it in prayer. But it won't work if you don't trust Him. You you can go to prayer and you you can say, I'm giving it to you, Lord, and then you just walk away with it. You got to trust Him with it. You got to turn it over to Him. And for it to continue to work, you just have to continue to trust Him. And like me, sometimes if you find yourself here carrying this thing again, just go give it to God again. Trust Him. And you can have perfect peace. He is absolutely trustworthy. He never slumbers nor sleeps. He's always taking care of things. He sees everything. He hears everything. He knows everything. He knows how to take care of your situation. He knows the beginning and the end and everything in between. He knows exactly how things are going to turn out. He's able to handle your burdens, your hurts, your struggles. He's all-powerful. There's not anything that He can't do. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. And here's the thing. He loves you. You can trust Him. What do you need to give to the Lord today? Burden, a fear, worry, a sin, a destructive habit, guilt shame, a wrong done to you, just give it to the Lord. All of it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Just give it all to God. I like to give things to God that aren't going good. Things that are wrong, I like to give that to God. You may think it's funny, but I remember one time I made it, I was just, I just started serving the Lord, just been walking with the Lord for a short time, but I had car trouble. And I said, Lord, there's something wrong with your car. You'd be surprised. And some of you, you need to give your marriage to God. Some of you, you need to give your kids to God. Some of you, you need to give your job to God. He's big enough to handle it. Here's what I know, that anything that He takes care of, it's going to be better than if I do it. 
See, we just need to learn to trust Him more and turn things over to Him. How wonderful it is to have a Lord that wants to carry the heavy stuff for us and help us. He loves us. But you got to be willing to give it to God. Sometimes pastor in a church can be difficult. And even though I pastor the sweetest group of people God ever brought together in one church, I still have times when it's difficult. And I struggle. And I just have to remember whose church it is. It's Jesus' church. And I always know this in my head, but sometimes from my heart, I just have to give it to Him again. Just turn it over to Him. He is still building His church. He's still preparing for Himself a glorious church by the washing of water by the Word. He's still at work amongst His people. And I just have to trust Him. He is well able to take care of His church. Whatever we need to give to God, I'll say it one more time, He can take better care of it than you can. Just give it all to Him. (laughs) There's such peace. There's such rest. There's such contentment. There's such joy when you know that you've put it in God's hands and He's taking care of it. Give Him your all, your everything. He deserves nothing less than our absolute trust, our total surrender. I want to ask you to stand with me. We're going to pray.